Welcome back to Popcorn Lore, guys. Episode hey. nine. Episode nine. Crazy. We're all the yeah. way up to nine. And we didn't get canceled yet by CBS. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Even with your your uh your back to the future uh speech about sensitivity and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was we're, fi- talking, we're fighting the good. I didn't do it on purpose, but I guess I was talking about wokeness. <laughs> now we're gonna get canceled. Oh now <laughs> no, I was cu- looking on forward cusp, on the cusp of our last episode. I know. I was looking forward to episode 10 too. How's everybody been? Good, good, cool. Winter's so, coming. Yeah, or it's here, I should say. Yeah, I wish I was in Hong Kong. Yeah, I wish I were in Hong Kong. Uh, <laughs> well, warm we in got, Hong Kong. We got just the right Episode oh, for you in that case. This movie's about Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, what are the chances? I totally didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the music! Cue the music! <laughs> Okay, so um, actually, we didn't even say what movie we were going to talk about before we get into the It's a movie about Hong Kong. So, so they could guess. Okay, so this week's episode is on Chunking Express, uh, a movie or a film that I that I chose, which is also on my list of uh, top 10 movies in my personal list uh, for me. Uh, so was this your first time watching this film? Uh, no, I saw it... Uh... When it came out on oh, wow. VHS, though, like I don't even, I don't even think it was in cinemas here. Okay, I must have seen it in '96, '97 around there. And this is my second, my second time watching it this weekend. And uh, what about you, Aaron? Yeah, so for me, it was my first time watching uh, Chunking Express. I had okay. seen, I believe, I'd seen some other movies or similar movies, anyways, from the same director. Like I know I've seen. Um, in the mood for love, which I know gets at least compared to this movie, but uh, this was my first time watching it. Okay, great. And what was your reaction to it uh, as a first time? Not a lot. I, I had a honestly, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it just like uh, it was a really interesting movie. The way it was shot was really, really different. Um, I've been to Hong Kong before, so seeing some of the like uh, places that they were kind of sparked some memories. Uh, it was a long time ago too; it was over close to twenty years ago. So uh, honestly, I really enjoyed the film. You know, I was thinking about that. Uh, funny enough, I was I was saying to myself, you know, the films that we watched, it's it's rare that like I can discuss it with people who have been there. Yeah, and both of you have been have both been to Hong Kong, and I've been as well. So it's yeah. like it's pretty cool, like in that regard, you know. Like it's not every day that you like. It's true. We, we all three of us have been to Hong Kong. Yeah. How, how yeah. long have you been? Uh, how long ago was it? Um, uh, uh, 
Probably. Just before the pen, uh, I think it was 2018. Yeah. And for how long? How many weeks? Uh, just one week. Okay. Yeah. I was there in 2003 or 2004. Wow. For uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, okay. I think I was there in 2006 and I was there for almost three weeks. Wow. Three weeks. Yeah. Hong yeah, Kong is a, it's a bit of a hectic place, as you it's can see. It's very, on the film. <laughs> very busy, which, yeah, which the, and the vibe of the movie is, it, it captures that for sure. For sure. So I'm a helpless lover of uh, romantic films. <laughs> this is why I really like uh, this movie. Uh, just before we dive into it, it was released in 1994. So obviously uh, we've covered this before in our first episode, actually, with the Natural Born Killers, which was released in the same year. But probably historically probably one of the best years for cinema i'd say in in, in modern cinema you have uh, movies again like shawshank redemption forrest gump natural born killers leon the list goes on and on including this movie so what a what a year in 1994 i think we spoke about it uh in the first episode but it's just really amazing every time i go back to that list for 1994 that year although i'm not sure if this was released here in 94 um that's a good question i'm not sure okay. exactly the, yeah. the release but i know it was released in that year because in youtube and it is on when the i saw it on youtube it's a 96 so I, I'm oh sure maybe that's a western it. release maybe yeah maybe yeah it, it does look like that it, it was released western, western release yeah yeah 1996 march 15th for so obviously it took them some time to uh and it gained a little bit of a following from my understanding too so that's probably why um when it gained some traction that they probably released some dubbed version or some subtitled version here in 1996. Right. So, um, uh, so uh, did you guys want to talk about that year or I think we, we kind of covered that in the first episode, but yeah, it's just amazing to, to, to see yeah, like the, you said, the uh, movies like, uh, that are uh, uh, an impact. Okay. So, um, just diving into it, uh, now, I mean, the movie is directed by the director uh, Wong Kar Wai, and I'm, we're very diverse on this podcast, so I'm going to just say that we're, if I mispronounce that, that's so bad, but <laughs> we're going to take the diversity. So Wong Kar Wai is the director of Chunking Express. Um, how I got to see this film actually is through, it's because of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, because mm. his company called Rolling Thunder is the one who released it to the West. Oh. And at that time, I was kind of diving more into film. And uh, how I got to know about the movie is because he had a special when this was released on his uh, production company called Rolling Thunder. And he spoke about this film and he spoke about Wong Kar Wai and how he had like a unique uh, lens in Hong Kong cinema. Because prior to that point, my introduction to Hong Kong cinema, and I'm sure it's the same for you, for you, Aaron, and for you, Tony. It was like through the lens of you know Jackie Chan or yeah. Jet Li or Bruce Lee, like very much more martial arts oriented, the action kind of cinema. And up until that point, the only director that I knew that was like uh, from Hong Kong was John Woo, and he did that was because he did Mission Impossible Two. So that was my only kind of introduction to to anybody or anything Hong Kong cinema related. But Wong Kar Wai in this film, it's a very different style. Uh, some He's actually criticized a lot of the times in the East of having like a more of like a Western lens, even though I feel that the nature of the film and the content has a very much more Eastern philosophy and kind of what he kind of portrays. 
Um, but yeah, just uh, going off of that, uh, what did you think about this, the, the style of the film? Uh, well, uh, for me, uh, I definitely remember the first time. I, I don't remember much about the first time. I just remember what feelings I had the first time I saw it. And uh, it was very much like a art house film that... Mm-hmm tried to trigger different emotions and out of the box and these type of things. And then the second time I saw it, I was trying to figure out why I liked it the first time in the sense that what what was it that I liked about it? And then I think I like it for different reasons now that I did back then. Because back then it's kind of like kind of in the sense that early, the early nineties style was like Quentin Tarantino and these type of out of the box movies, mm-hmm. and they're and they just you just automatically found them cool and you like them, just because they were different. Yeah. And now it's like I'm I'm a, I'm a little I changed a little bit in that sense, mm-hmm. and I just try to find a a normal what's a normal way of liking it. So um, now I like it for different reasons, uh, mainly and mainly uh, the way uh, uh, the way the way they show Hong Kong. Um, um the the romantic element of how people meet and fall in love right yeah. and third of all uh, how it was in the 90s in the mid 90s uh the way to communicate and right. the way to meet people yeah yeah, yeah. and specifically like now it's like you meet someone it's and more romantic like now then. you meet yeah. someone now you meet someone at a party or you meet someone somewhere yeah and you already have them on on Facebook, and you already have them on Twitter. Yeah. You already have them. You already have them. Yeah. But back then, like, if you didn't have a pen and paper handy, you'll never see that person again. Yeah. Sure. yeah. And it's like it's like it's so important to have a pencil and a, yeah. a paper. Otherwise, you'll never see your love again. You know that. What like <laughs> before we dive completely into the yeah, film, yeah, but, but one of the- I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to talk about that right now, but yeah. I was just saying those are the themes that touched that affected me. Okay. That, uh, just to piggyback off what you said, like it, because one of my favorite scenes in this whole film, it's when uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro's character, yeah, because he's going through like his his heart, his heart being broken and whatever, yeah. and uh, he finally like he finally gives up. He's like he's gonna he leaves a pager on like the the yeah. the baseball uh, fence field over. or whatever, yeah, and like he walks away, you know, and like you're like okay, he's like he's made his decision, and as soon as the pager starts beating, <laughs> turns around, right, and he's like, should I go back, should I not, and he just runs towards the pager, right, so yeah, it was just to show you that like if you don't, like that was that was yeah, fine, you know? or or sometimes if you wanna meet that person again, yeah, and you go far away yeah. to another country. Good luck. You have to come back <laughs> to Hong Kong yeah, yeah. to that shop yeah. and look for them that's in what, that shop. There's no other way. And that's what happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what I really enjoyed about that sure. aspect. I really enjoyed it. Because sure. that's how it was back then, yeah. like in the, in the early 90s. You ha- kind of had to like go where they work, uh, go visit their, their house, uh, right. pen and paper. H- hide in their cupboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pen and paper and uh, <laughs> keys and letters. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Aaron? Yeah, so the vibe of the film is is pretty neat. Like, obviously, the, he does a lot of, like, uh, interesting, like, camera work. Uh, so that I found really cool. I uh, A lot of, like, the, 
Asian comedy, like Hong Kong comedy, I find really funny. Right, So like yeah. the the scene where he's like talking to all the stuff in his apartment and Yeah. he's like, uh, like you're like, you know, the things like too wet or whatever. He's like, why are you crying? You know, like <laughs> Right, yeah. those types of things. I, I thought that was just hilarious. But yeah, like uh, the other thing that uh, the movie invoked for me is there's a lot of loneliness in the film. There's, There is, yeah. there's, there's tons of it. And I think that's part of the times, like you were saying, like if you don't get the perfect scenario or you don't get the right opportunity, like you just legitimately might miss out on that person that you, you know, fell in love with or, or, or whatever the case may be. So, um, those were kind of the vibes that I got from the film. Uh, yeah. Cool. So I'm just going to dive in, uh, I guess, into the lore. I guess that's a good uh, introduction to that. So this film, actually, when Warcry Wei uh, was filming this, this film, he was actually working on another movie, which he was kind of pouring his all into, which is called Ashes of, Ashes of Time, which was released just a year after this movie or actually around the same time as this, as this movie. And uh, he kind of got into... a drought emotionally he kind of was like he just wanted a break you know so what better way to take a break than to film another movie in 30 days <laughs> oh, this was some 30 days so this was filmed like on the flash like they just he just decided to do this and i find that love for cinema and his passion really comes out in this movie and i find that like it's like almost like an artist kind of like we rekindling his love for like what he like like likes to do and create i don't know if you can you can get really get that sense out of this film i find when Well, you watch it in that way i mean knowing that i for didn't sure know it was i didn't know it was something 30 days but i have sort of a, a thing that i that i have with movies mm -hmm. is i just i i i i just do it naturally i don't force myself to do it but it just happens naturally i always look for uh ad-libs and uh improvisations right And I saw a couple of scenes which were like that. Yeah. Like, for example, when the woman, she was mad and then she wanted to throw her purse, but then a paper came out and then she picked it up and she kind of threw it and it was kind of all random. And I'm Right. sure that was all improvised. Right. Like it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't supposed to go that way. And a couple of other scenes too, where, where like they drop something and then they just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not a movie from, uh, uh, Stanley Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick that that <laughs> has 70, 70 takes yeah, yeah. 70 takes per scene I Yeah. guarantee that it I was more like seven Yeah. or three So something I read was that uh yeah, exactly. Something I read was that the director would like write the scenes like the night before or like the morning of like that they were shooting. So yeah he it took actually didn't finish the script until like while they were filming That's wild. yeah But um, So yeah. one of the interesting things about this movie is that um, yeah, so just going back to Walker Away. So he was filming Ashes, Ashes uh, Fine, this, this is like epic film and... And then he just kind of got into like, uh, I wouldn't say like writer's block, but I guess that that would be
I've never seen that in a, in a movie where like you kind of start off with like these two characters and you're kind of like what's going on and then it just in the middle of the movie it's just like the transition just happens and you're in another story altogether but it's still the same world you're, you still feel that you're still in the same place because of all these things that have tied them together the diner and and all that stuff happening I, I I don't know for certain, but there's one scene where I'm pretty sure it, it was following the I think the criminal the the criminal lady. Okay. Yes. And but then it was the girl that you saw, like the her her name's Fei Wong in real life. But yeah. it, it it I I think I'm pretty sure there's one thing where she buys like a teddy bear or something like that. Like I'm pretty it, sure I saw her. It's in crazy the background. that you just mentioned that because. I've watched that movie, this movie, for like so many years, and yeah. the other night I like watched it, and I had to tell the person like I paused it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't even notice that you actually get introduced to her in that scene." Like, exactly, she, she's buying that Garfield uh, yeah. the yeah, and uh, it was cool. Like that, it just shows you also in in your life, like you know, the people that you meet randomly in the street or whatever they're going through the on another story. Like you have your story as a person, right? It's just like. They just cross paths, but like there was so much like you know, like going on the same person, like the same people, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. And that and that happens a lot more in like crowded cities like Hong Kong. For sure, yeah. Here, uh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and since you both visited Hong Kong, like when I visited Hong Kong, I had already seen this film, so I wanted to visit. And for those who don't know, like Chungking Express, it's because there's these pla- this place in Hong Kong is called Chungking Palace or Chungking Mansions, I think they're called. And it's known to have like a lot of sketchy activity, a lot of like foreigners that are there, Interesting. a lot of like weird stuff that's happening. And when I visited there, I had a friend that was living in Guangzhou and he was dating, uh, at the time he was dating a, a girl from Hong Kong. And when I went there and she's like, what would you like to do? I was like, I would love to visit Chunking Mansions. And she was like, hell no, I'm not going there. And I was like, we're definitely going now. <laughs> so like we went and like I, I just visited like the first level because she was like freaked out. She didn't want to be there and, and whatever. And then actually, you know him there, actually, Aaron, it's Sean, right? Okay. Sean, uh, told me that like you could rent a room in Chunking Mansion and there's no windows and that's like very very sketchy stuff. Wow. It's like uh... so. Anyways, you get a sense of that in the first, especially in the first half of this movie, right? You Definitely. Get, like, when, when the actress, the actress's name, by the way, is Bridget Lin, very very famous actress in in Hong Kong, and um, when she's doing those deals with like I believe they're like either Pakistani or Indian. I'm not really yeah, quite yeah, sure. Yeah. And that ties in with the music as well in this film. There's there's themes for each kind of like character or for each uh, uh, place. So for example, the cafe has the reggae music mm-hmm. or is a theme for that character with the blonde wake. Uh, you have the Indian music for when they're in that part of the Chunking Mansion. You have obviously California Dreaming for Faye. Oh yeah, I didn't notice that one. <laughs> it was so subtle. It was so subtle, yeah. <laughs> so, and... Uh, Going back onto what Quentin Tarantino was saying about the the Chunking movie, he said in in that promotional like piece that he was saying, he was saying like you know, if you're a guy and you don't fall in love with Faye's Faye's character, like there's something wrong with you, and it's so true. Like you, just like the way she is, like taking care of like the cop and whatever, like it's just like you just I don't know, you just like 
she's an on-screen character, but like you just like fall for her, you know what I mean? It's like one of those like I don't know. I guess that's what guys felt like in the forties or fifties with like some of these like on-screen starlets or whatever. Yeah. But it's, she she does it in a way that's like you know what I mean? Yeah. She's very captivating in that in that regard. I, but uh, I read yeah. that uh, that actress actually was a super successful musician. Fei Wong, yes, she's a very successful musician. Yeah. This was her first feature film. And she does a cover of actually, you know, the song in the movie, it's it's Dreams by the Cranberries, but it's it's done by uh yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Cantonese. Yes, yes. It that's actually Faye singing. That's oh, her. Oh wow, yes. that's and cool. That, and that's became a huge hit in Hong Kong, actually. And it actually drove in more interest into that kind of uh, music in, in Hong Kong. That's so was cool. This, was this movie popular in Hong Kong? It was popular in Hong Kong, yeah. Okay. This is what, uh, you know, made Wong Kar Wai, I would, I would say, internationally known, uh, was this movie. So a couple of things about this movie that maybe I'm sure you guys noticed, but... Um, there's almost an impressionistic element to this film, the way it's shot, particularly in certain scenes. Like, I don't know if you guys remember when uh, I think his, well, we never really get his name, but he's like cop six, six, three or whatever his name is. When he's kind of looking out the mirror after he's like trying to dry the letter that Faye left him. And the water is just like coming over the, the, the window. <laughs> what happens is that it gives you that effect of like an impressionistic painting. I don't know if you guys have noticed oh. that. And it happens many times in the movie where even like when they're doing the chase scene uh, in, in the Chunking Mansions and the camera's kind of like shaky and all these kind of colors are kind of yeah. coming out. Very vivid colors. And uh, it's 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 almost as if it's trying to emulate, emulate uh, impressionistic painting. Wow. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed that. But yeah, in retrospect, if you look at it like that, you can kind of see that. That kind of yeah, that makes sense now that you mention it, but I definitely didn't catch that the first time I saw it. Yeah, there's also the scene where he's inserting the quarter in the jukebox, and it's he's going in super slow motion, and in the background everything's going really fast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if that's also impressionistic. That's probably not it. Mm, that's just his style, I guess. <laughs> but it's more those scenes of like the, with the water, yeah, and yeah, kind of like making it look like an impressionistic. Yeah, movie. the fish tank. It happens with the fish tank too. Fish tank too. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so have you guys ever seen a movie like that where like the transition of the stories are just like, it just happens. Like you're just like, now you're in like another well, story. It's rare to see movies with two stories. Right. Yeah. Or three. On the drop of a hat. Like, it's crazy. I've never, yeah. I never experienced. And I was, I remember that feeling when I first saw the movie, I was like, this is wild. Like I've never seen anything like that. No, but it still grips your attention. Mm-hmm. I just watched a movie very recently. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, it's like where the wilds end or where the woods end. I forget. It was a Ryan Gosling film and okay. funny and, and funny enough. It's exactly like that. It has three, three acts essentially like this movie. I'd say it has like kind of two acts, right? It's got the first yeah. part and then it's got the second part. So I watched another movie funny enough, just like that uh, with, with Ryan Gosling. Uh, I wish I could remember the name here. Uh, it's called. It's called. Like yes, exactly. Oh the, the, yeah, the place oh, beyond yeah. the pines. So the oh, first yeah. act is about Ryan Gosling. The second act is about Bradley Cooper. And the third and the third act is about. Uh, don't spoil. I don't want to. I want to watch it. I haven't still haven't watched it's it. It's a great movie, and if yeah, you, heard, if you hadn't seen a movie like that before, you're like you're I gonna really enjoy this. It's really good. I watched it recently. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that movie. I really liked it. Yeah, check um, it out. 
Nice. Well, just heading back to uh, Chunking Express really fast. Um, so the beginning act, obviously, it uh, follows the the woman in with the wig, which is Bridget Lin, uh, character, mysterious character who's kind of like uh, up to no good, let's say, in the Chunking <laughs> Mansions. And then you have a cop uh, who's portrayed actually by Takeshi Kaneshiro, who's like a very famous uh, Hong Kong actor who's half Japanese as well. That's why when he speaks on the phone, uh, that's actually he, that's why he's speaking Japanese uh, yeah. when he's at the, the the diner or whatever. And uh, that so caught me off guard so much when that happened. Yeah, I was yeah, like, I, like, cause sure. my brain automatically clicked into Japanese because I speak a little bit and I was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> right. Yeah. So he recently has gone through a, a a major breakup and then he kind of comes across like uh this character what i find interesting about this this film is the first guy how he handles the breakup and the second guy how he handles his breakup it's very two different things different <laughs> different ways right? the first guy is like so kind of desperate he needs this person he needs this person in his life he needs to do this he needs to do that and the second guy is very much very stoic. He doesn't want to like it's over. It's over, you know. Like the guy, the girl gave him the the letter. He doesn't want to read the letter, and in turn, that makes him like more attractive to. Well, that makes him more attractive to Faye, right? Who's yeah. the Who's the girl who's working at the uh, restaurant? And the first guy is like, even though he doesn't have a love story with with the girl in the wake he kind of does because she 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 let her uh messages him like uh yeah happy birthday or whatever yeah, yeah that, so that means like and he yeah, said he yeah, fell yeah. in love with her yeah yeah well he falls he could fall in love with anything that yeah. <laughs> is his way right he just he fell in love in with love pineapple with in love. <laughs> exactly exactly and the second guy is like more stoic cold. more cold more like you know but he's he's def but don't accepts, don't get it he accepts the breakup he accepts it but he's definitely as affected as the first guy he yeah, just but he's kind of like poetic about it he talks to his furniture yeah and whatnot. yeah so here's a little twist for you guys actually there's a theory um about this film in that the flight attendant was actually Faye the whole time so oh, I'll give you I'll give you hints about that so example like so it's just time retrospective like when he's saying oh she used to hide in this closet she used to be there she's and if you notice Faye's there right it's like, yeah it's that was weird because i thought he was talking about his ex-girlfriend right which you're supposed to be led to believe this so but it's actually his ex-girlfriend is actually Faye. you see what i'm saying wow so if so if you go back actually and like you and it like if you think about it like it's true yeah you, you do see a girl at first because what happens is that in the second half of the movie, if you notice, like all the restaurant workers and whatever, they always leave and like make sure that she's alone with him and stuff like that. So it's almost like right. he set this up. He's kind of set up this this situation to kind of get with Faye. You know what I mean? And so who knows? Maybe that person that she first met at first was just kind of like a hired kind of gun. And what leads to that theory also is when he's with that girl, I mean, there's like an intimate scene when he's with her it's a really weird intimate scene. It's almost as if she's almost hired to be like intimate with him because he's trying to forget uh, about his ex, uh, his ex-girlfriend. And so the theory is basically because why it would be weird. Like you've seen this because when he finally catches Faye in his apartment, it's kind of like pushed aside, right? You kind of don't like hear about it yeah. anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of like the theory is that basically that she became a flight attendant 
messing around at his apartment with the with whatever yeah. planes he had or whatever like whatever and then all the scenes where you see him talking about the flight attendant and missing it's actually about her and then that's why you know she's in the places that he was saying she would hide in she's uh she does you know what i mean the well, things that he said his ex-girlfriend would do exactly exactly he, exactly. he doesn't he doesn't give her the he gives her the address to the apartment but he never gives her the key right no she took the she key took from the, the key from the, the letter from the envelope. oh okay yeah, the there was a key in there uh, from the envelope from his ex and she took that key and uh did her deeds i yeah. must have i must have missed that part and it's just like small little things that are really funny that i like like those those stairs for those um those escalators for example uh I, I when I went to Hong Kong, I visited them, and it's like it's so unique that 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 whole spot. By the way, that apartment that he's in was actually the cinematographer's apartment, and they used it. He's a Western uh, cinematographer that Wong Kar Wai kind of befriended and is friends with, and they used his apartment to do all those scenes. And then when because she, she's there, she can see him going to work every day. She like says something out the window and like so to get his attention, you know? Yeah. It's like small little things like that, which is funny. Or giving him like secretly, like giving him vitamins in his water. <laughs> <laughs> like, all these things. Another great scene is when he's like, I think he's like just eating lunch with like his other uh yeah. cop friends and like our cute girls talking to him and like she comes up to him and like gives the girl like the death stare you know like yeah <laughs> she like smells her hair <laughs> yeah yeah like shoo get away from my guy yeah <laughs> um really something else that was yeah it, that that theory is kind of interesting because she talks to the girl that was a that it was originally his girlfriend at the at the um at the uh, convenience store later, and then it's some yes. like bad boy, and then he's like, "Oh yes, yeah, that yes, guy's yes. definitely more your type." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's possible that he did have a breakup, but when he's talking about that person, it's related to fake. But that again, that's a theory that that that's out there. It's not interesting for sure, but hey, it would make a lot of sense. Hey, something else that's kind of funny is both the guys. So, and it's another theme of the movie, but both the guys are cops, and then neither they're both looking for love and neither one of them notices all the illegal activity going on at the <laughs> shop and like with all the workers and stuff or even with the girl that was something i thought was really funny right like they were just yeah. so oblivious to everything happening yeah love is blinding i guess literally love that's, blind. that's, that's <laughs> clearly the message they're trying to say is like these guys sure. because they're only focused on love are not focusing on like the shop owner and like all the like people doing all the like illegal things so uh, w like another thing about this movie it's just you're really in that kind of hong kong world it, it does a really good job at kind of creating that ambience and i will say something that was really surprising when I visit Hong Kong is that a lot of people when they visit Japan they have this like Blade Runner image of like cyberpunk it's like it's gonna be <laughs> like that but I felt way more like that when I was in Hong Kong me too 100%. because of the and neon lights right the neon the signs. neon lights the yeah. high uh sky the high rise yeah you've never seen a skyline like Hong Kong it's like the skyscrapers are it's almost like you feel like there's billions of them. You know? Yeah, you have to go to very specific parts of Japan to get the cyberpunk feeling. Like you have to right, go to yeah. like uh, Dotonburi, like in Osaka at night or something to get that feel. You know what I mean? To get the like sure. neon glow look. But you know, cyberpunk has like a um, an influence from like 
neo-noir films or like noir movies okay i find that like even in this film like when they're at the diner and like just the some of the shots like when you see like coca-cola or some of that imagery imagery you know like that kind of pop imagery it creates almost that vibe just just that alone you know what i mean yeah but it's funny you mentioned that because i noticed that cup of coca-cola when he got the coffee right when he gets the coffee or yeah. when he's at the diner and he's just like eating and there's like the guys like watching the coke machine or you just see like coke is advertised yeah know? it pops it pops out yeah exactly and it's just it does a great job at showing you like how crowded things are and like how it's it can be very dangerous as well you know for example that scene where uh she's like trying to find out like where they when they, where those guys went when they double crossed her and she just like immediately just picks up the guy's kid and like leaves yeah. out of like that was yeah that was, I forgot that was about heartless. that that was, that was like super cool. heartless right yeah. but uh, I, I I always when I, when I saw this movie I always have the feeling that I'm that I'm that it's crowded at any at almost every scene you always feel like there's always people around like closely I yeah hundred percent yeah that's, that's how you feel like when you go there I'm telling you it's like yeah for sure when it's you like, cross the streets like, there. It's that's that's the vibe for sure. Yeah, but it always feels like there's a lot of people around you, and that's also how it felt like when I went to Hong Kong. And what's cool is that people are used to it there, and they they're used to having a a closer personal space. Yeah, and living within that space, and I think also it makes for people to be more sociable. For sure, you're kind of forced to interact and talk with people at a close distance and uh but i think it just makes everyone kind of like more social (laughs) to to go off of what you just said like i also feel it's also a a way of showing the loneliness even more you know like when they're going through their heartbreak and their kind of like loneliness kind of time because there's so many people it emphasizes it even more because it's like there's so yeah, many people yeah. but yeah you're sad you know yeah like they're sitting down in the coffee shop or wherever and like everyone's like laughing and right, talking yeah. and moving and stealing and doing all these kind of things <laughs> and like and you're like i'm all alone exactly exactly the actually the only scene that i remember that there's not crowded besides inside their apartments was when the guy was jogging uh, in the baseball right. field. Or whatever. Yeah. That was yeah. the only scene that it wasn't super crowded. Like he's alone. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys ever do that? Do you ever do you ever jog so that you get the water out of your body so that you don't cry as much? <laughs> no, I just eat, <laughs> I just eat expired uh, pineapple. Oh, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, actually, you should you should you should more specifically ask. Do you guys ever jog? Period because <laughs> <laughs> that would uh that would undercut the other answer but anyway <laughs> okay so yeah that's uh chunking express like if you haven't seen it highly recommend uh very unique movie in that sense of the two stories if you really like this movie there's actually another movie called fallen angels which is kind of like a sequel to this movie so definitely check it out that was released in 95 and it talks about more of the the character in the first story with Takeshi Kaneshiro. Um, cool. Other than that, other films from Wong Kar Wai that I highly recommend are In the Mood for Love. Uh, you also have um, uh, Days of Being Wild, uh, obviously Ashes of Time, and 2046 as well. Those are all the Wong Kar Wai films. 
I'm happy that we covered this. It's we don't we didn't have I don't think we had any international directors besides obviously the anime movies that we we covered. Well, we didn't have too many art house type movies or art house movies. Yeah, so it's nice to have a, a little bit of a change. And uh, yeah, this is a great film, I think, from all aspects. And it's it's not too long. It's just kind of like perfect in length, I think. Uh, what yeah, are your closing thoughts, uh, Aaron and Tony? Like uh, Aaron. Yeah, so I'm just really happy I got a chance to watch the movie. I had seen In the Mood for Love a really, really long time ago. Um, this movie's obviously, it's a romance film, but obviously it's very different than that movie. But um, honestly, I'm really happy I got a chance to watch the movie. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I don't think I would have watched the movie otherwise. So it's great. And that's, that's you know, that's what we're here for. So thank thank you for picking this movie. I was happy to watch it. Cool. And what about you, Tony? Uh, I think... This is a great movie to watch. I was happy I saw it. Um, it has a sort of a lore, a magic element to it that I like, which is, uh, you know, in the city at night, anything could happen. Everything does, anything and everything does happen in this movie, <laughs> including uh, circumstances, uh, meetups, love, everything. So a crime. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah so uh yeah it has uh def- this movie definitely has a lot of lore uh uh yeah i enjoyed watching it cool so that's gonna be it for episode nine uh, next episode is gonna be our last episode um i think we got something special lined up yeah that? we're gonna discuss an upcoming movie or by that by that time will it be played we'll see we'll see we'll uh, see we'll either see. a new or upcoming movie okay and yeah. we'll discuss it and then uh we'll have some closing thoughts about our uh, season yeah yeah so that's about it for us uh guys aaron uh you know what to say now cue the music cue the music <laughs> thanks guys see ya peace